with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, your Jewish Patriot, Cindy Gross. To the Jewish Patriot with Cindy Gross. I am your host, Cindy Gross, Talk Radio's premier Jewish woman activist. And I'm so excited to be with you as we begin our summer and we look forward to having a better summer if it's possible. But I'll tell you, I had one disturbing thought over July 4th weekend. I kept reading papers. And I kept watching headlines about how so many people, especially our youth, are so unhappy being American, so unpatriotic. This is a new concept in America. And I started to ask myself why. And I am going to share with you my thoughts in my opening pearls of wisdom. So join me. I think the answer goes into one word, education. Over the weekend of July 4th, the New York Post had a headline, revolt over anti-white principle, the school of no confidence. You'd think this was something new, but detail after detail convinced me that what I saw in 2004, and I complained about in 2006, and I complained about in 2008, and I went to the teachers unions, and I went to the mayoral offices that are tied to the Department of Education, until I finally filed a lawsuit in 2011, that nothing has changed, and that things have actually gotten worse. And I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts. We have in New York City a new mayor. We have a new schools chancellor since I started my lawsuit. But we have the same old problems. One of the reasons is, as so clearly defined in the article, people complain to the Department of Education, but they get no answers. It's no coincidence that hours after Governor Kathy Hochul won her Democratic primary for the governor on June 28th, Mayor Eric Adams, who endorsed her, received a two-year extension of mayoral control. That mayoral control came despite a decrease of six figures. That's hundreds of thousands of students in the public school system. Parents are searching for alternatives everywhere and sacrificing financially, personally, and professionally to get their kids out of these schools. He got this despite a budget that was cut $215 million. He got this despite demands from the teachers unions for more teacher involvement, and they had to lay off some teachers. Figure it out. You're telling me that our children's education 
is in in direct correlation with politics as usual. I'll give you another example. Let's talk about how congressional candidates and gubernatorial candidates and senatorial candidates are being spoken about through social media by public education advocates. It ties into the violence. It ties into the school's uh, grades or evaluations. It's all politics. And if you tell me you're not involved in it, you're wrong. Because education is paid for by tax dollars, federal, state, and local tax dollars. I want to share with you some of the facts of my case from 2011 that sound exactly like this case. The principal, assistant principals, the superintendents, and many of the people in charge also have an issue with white teachers. That despite the fact that they are hiring underqualified people for positions, but they are hiring them based on the color of their skin. And not judging them by how they read, how they write, how they add and subtract, and how much they know about American history. Now we at the Jewish Patriot support legal immigration and quality for all. After all, I am a white Jewish teacher who stood up against minority administrations to help minority parents and students in need. And they did not have a voice besides mine to stand up for them. And that came out very clear in my 2030 legal arbitration hearing from parents, from a parent coordinator, and from other staff members. When you choose somebody for a job, especially a job to help your children, you want the most qualified. We see how the country is doing right now with a cackling vice president and some of the other choices like our transportation secretary who was picked because of his sexual preference rather than his experience in the transportation field. Students from this article complained. They went to the Department of Education. They even filed a change.org petition. God bless those students to stand up for themselves. However, they were ignored. I went to the teachers unions. I even have the emails documenting my case my situations in my school, where they admitted in emails back to me what chancellors, regulations, and state laws were being violated if not having the procedures done correctly and completely. Again, people were being hired based on the color of their skin and violence was uh, involved. Schools had more violence and it's not being reported, despite the fact that you're supposed to 
file safety reports that ties to the departments of police and safety, tied also through the local government offices. The biggest complaint here is that parents are ignored. In 2021, the parents from my school had a protest and went to the Department of Education and they went to the New York Post to file similar complaints that this article of 2022 did, similar to my lawsuit of 2011 did, similar to other cases I've shared with you throughout 2015 and 16 and 18, where time after time, wonderful teachers, wonderful parents, and wonderful students work together regardless of the color of their skin, their religious backgrounds, their financial situations, but they join together for a common cause to secure a learning environment of safe and productive lessons and skills so that students can graduate and become independent and proud adults. I need your help to get the story out, and I need your help to tell me your stories. What's going on in New York is happening in Chicago and Baltimore, Los Angeles, Texas. In fact, I was just reading how Texas wants to change the history of slavery and change the name of it altogether. We are a country of proud Americans. Immigrants that came here in the 1900s came to America with the America First dream to learn English, to become successful, to respect authority in schools, and parent accountability counted a lot. In fact, parent accountability accounts for the success of most educational systems around the world today. So might be a new mayor, a new school's chancellor, but it's the same garbage that's threatening our future. Please share your thoughts. I am on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. American Airlines rated the worst, losing the most bags, shrinking legroom during COVID. American requires passengers to show ID to fly, but attacks Texas's popular voter ID law. Why is CEO Doug Parker trying to appease the radical left to distract from billions in taxpayer bailouts, from his $10 million payday, from Americans' record layoffs. Doug Parker, American Airlines, serve your customers, not woke politicians. Stand up, Texas. There comes a time in one's life where you have to take a stand for what you believe in, to stand for what you know in your heart is right, for yourself, for your children, for your grandchildren. As Texans, we are in a fight for our independence and the promise of freedom that Texas was built upon. And it's that very freedom that is being stripped away from us right now. As brothers, sisters, business owners, employees, students, we are all in this fight together. It's time to take a stand, Texas. We are an organization of nearly 400,000 Texans. We're pushing for Texit and our freedom, our independence. Join us. Let's stand together. Visit texitnow.org. That's texitnow.org. Paid for by the Texas Nationalist Movement. Welcome back. 
Joining us now is somebody who is really becoming a voice for everybody who wants to have free speech, who wants to have the liberties to work in a workplace of a safe environment, regardless of their political affiliations, their uh, ideas about masks and vaccines, and wants everybody to know that whether they're in the entertainment field or in the technology field, because he's from Silicon Valley, you have a place at Red Balloon. The CEO is Andrew, I'm going to say this one. Say, remind, say you were, uh, uh, crap, Bella crap, you shats. Crap, you shats. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, okay. It's a tricky one. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to edit it. So don't yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. The CEO is Andrew Crapuchates, and he is here to discuss, I think he could discuss every headline, every news story as it relates to people that reach out to him daily. So without me talking anymore, here he is, Andrew. Thanks for joining the Jewish Patriot. Uh, thanks for having me, Cindy. Uh, nice to talk to you. Well, like I said, you can talk about every topic. You can talk about every ruling, whether or not it's on the Supreme Court, uh, state courts, you can talk about the jobs that are, you know, whether or not they're in entertainment, whether or not they're in Silicon Valley, government, people are reaching out to you every day. First of all, tell us what is Red Balloon? Yeah, Red Balloon is um, what we see it as an opportunity to uh, redeem the world of HR. Um, HR has unfortunately been the epicenter of a lot of the woke ideology that is creeping into corporations, has crept into corporations, and is really stealing the joy of work from a lot of people right now. Because if you're not free to actually be yourself at work and have an opinion, um, then you're not going to really uh, have a fulfilled work life. And we'd like to get more people back to a very fulfilled work life. The reality is in America, it used to be that whether you were liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat, you could disagree on something and then just go have a beer afterwards and it was okay. But unfortunately, today's world, if you go too far out of line from what the woke mob is asking you to say, it will cost you your job. It will cost you your reputation. Uh, people will discriminate against you. And that's not an America that any of us want. And so what Red Balloon's trying to do is you can think of it in a couple different ways. It's free speech matchmaking for employment. So if you're a job seeker out there who is stuck at a big company where you can't live your values, you can't be yourself, you can't bring your whole self to work um, because of what your views are, then you can come to redballoon.work and find a new job and find a new job with a freedom-loving employer. If you're an employer, it's an opportunity to hire people who just want to focus on getting work done and not focus on being in, uh, a snowflake in the HR department whining about every little thing. We want people who focus on their job, do great work, um, and obviously, if something's wrong, you can totally complain about it. You can totally push on it. But the reality is, you know, I just um, talking to a good friend who didn't use the right pronoun with someone at work and lost his job because of it, or someone who had an American flag on their background for Zoom, and they were told that was white supremacy and they needed to remove that. Uh, so the number of stories that I hear through redballoon.org of employees that are being discriminated against because they're not allowed to have their own opinion, I think is very sad. So that's why we founded redballoon.org. How do we come alongside and help people just be free at work?
What area of employment do you find most people are having the hardest time? Yeah, um, it's big tech right now, I would say. So there are two, the two states where we have the highest concentration of job seekers, people looking for jobs, would be California and New York regionally, um, not surprisingly. And I would say the job category would be remote IT jobs. And you think uh, computer programmers and IT people, those are high demand positions. But I was talking to one of our employers in Red Balloon, and he said he put out a remote IT job for a computer programmer. And he said he got 40 applicants um, because there's a lot of people looking to get out of big tech. It's a very discriminatory uh, work, work environment now in big tech, if, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Google um, or Amazon even, um, or Disney, right, in the entertainment space. So um, we're seeing a lot of people who are able to work remote looking for freedom in the workplace, looking for the ability to work hard. And Cindy, it is deeply gratifying. And I've run a number of businesses over the years. I've sold businesses. I've never run a business where I get unsolicited thank you notes from perfect strangers literally every day. People writing and saying, you know, you just saved my marriage because um, whether we had a religious conviction to not get a vaccine or any number of other issues, we weren't allowed to have those convictions or those beliefs at work. And now we are. And so um, it's just really encouraging to be able to come alongside Americans who want to stand up for freedom and be able to help them find the right job. Well, I could tell you as somebody who works in the fashion industry, there are so many people in the fashion industry that are not only just the designers, but the photographers at the shows, the stylists, uh, the models, the makeup artists that are conservative, but they can't say anything about it. That's right. Look, and the few that do come out and say it, well, even if they, there's one or two I know that are super, super successful and are very proud of it, but the majority of them are just afraid to speak. And they like call me and they use my services purposely because they say, we could talk to you, you're not discussing it. And we know we're supporting somebody like us. Same thing in entertainment. We know about the reality stars, what happens if they come out conservative on Bravo, but I'm friends with uh, TV stars that you see every day, every week. And if they came out with their true views, they would be fired immediately and they know it. Even though there's one show that three quarters of the cast are Trump supporters, but because of the director, they. They can't, so they all go behind his back and get together and talk about it. It's just sad. It really is sad when you can't really live your values. And here's the reality, though. But if they all came out conservative in the, at the same time, then they are a voting block, right, effectively. And this is what we're encouraging. We actually uh, started a campaign, come out conservative in the month of June. Um, come out and actually live your values. And the thing is, if only one person, if you remember that NFL, um, the NFL coach who basically said, look, I don't understand why January 6th is such a big deal, and yet the BLM riots where you've got police stations burning was not a big deal. He gets a $100,000 fine. He gets you know, crucified in the by the Twitter mob. But the reality is he probably wasn't the only one who had those same questions. And look, he wasn't even saying something crazy. He was just saying, hey, have we thought about these questions? But you're not even allowed to have those questions. But if there were more people in the NFL who said, no, I'm kind of with him. In fact, some of his linemen were like, actually, so he does a good job. And I don't care what his personal opinion is. But the problem is conservatives were the largest ideological group in America, but were the least likely to say anything. 
And if we have more of us that are willing to fight and say our, uh, speak our mind and say our peace, we'll um, actually be a blessing to those around us. And then they can't fire everybody at the same time. At least that's the hope. Well, we're hoping that's going to happen in November. I think that people in the ballot box are really going to come out strong. Even in red states, I am involved in politics. So I could tell you, we are seeing areas in New York that are going to flip seats red. People wow. are disgusted. Yeah. That, you yeah. know, they just don't want to uh, work hard and have their money go to bail reform and crime or illegal immigration. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we are seeing a conservative awakening. You see this with a Disney stock going down. We're also seeing it with what a lot of people are calling the big sort, which is basically people are moving to where the state policy lines up more closely with their personal values. And California has had net out migration every year since 2013. Um, and they're taking their money with them. Uh, the state of New York is a great example. In 2020, they had a net out migration of 250,000 people. So some people moved in, a lot of people moved out, but 250,000 more moved out than moved in. Right. But not only that, they took with them $19 billion of taxable income in just one year, right? Well, what's that going to do? That's going to start to have an impact on budget, on voting, on prestige of states. And they moved to places like Texas and Florida where they could be free. And so- um, I think that we're going to start to see states that are going to have to turn around or they're just going to start to implode. And this is the same thing with businesses. When businesses focus on a woke ideology, don't allow their employees to be free, then you are not going to be as successful as if you just focus on freedom. You don't have to take a huge political stand one way or the other. Just focus on freedom. Well, for someone who is in education, they've been teaching this woke idea in Common Core way before CRT. Anything that's globalist, that teaches America is last and everybody is better than us. I mean, the idea of sex, inappropriate sex education is nothing new in schools. I nope. had a situation where first graders were caught touching each other inappropriately, acting inappropriately in sexual acts. And the principal knew about it. The teachers knew about it. And they did nothing. Yeah. Oh, we need to, uh, but again, this is where an example, parents need to get involved. They need to stand up for their kids. Taxpayers need to get involved. You're paying for this education that is doing significant harm to these children. And uh, people need to realize, you know, maybe watch one less show at night and get off the couch and go to a school board meeting, um, stand up for conservative values. So there's lots of opportunities for people to do things. Um, I do think they're going to stand up in the box office. I mean, we also saw the new Top Gun movie just passed a billion dollars. And it was actually Tom Cruise's first $100 million weekend. And I think part of that is it was just a patriotic, fun movie without any woke ideology. And it absolutely blew it up because Americans are tired of being told that America is terrible. Uh, and it was a clear like, look, we like to be on a winning team. And America has been a winning team and is a winning team. So let's stop pretending that that's not the case. And so um, I think that movie is another example of people are voting with their wallets, they're voting with their feet, and hopefully they're going to vote in the ballot box in November. I can't agree with you more because you just look at um, how many people are taking their money out of uh, banks and not going to Disney because of the woke 
businesses and the, what they're saying. So I totally agree with you 100%. And what's amazing is they think it's old people. How many young people are conservatives today? It's amazing. And they do have clout because a lot of those young people who are conservatives actually are the ones that are going to work and making money. And that's going to be where you know everything goes in circles. That's going to be where our power is going to be in these young conservatives. Absolutely. So, and that's what we're trying to do at redballoon.org. We're here to try and come alongside people uh, make sure that they can live their values at work. Um, and if you're a business owner or a small business, if you're a CEO and you feel trapped by your HR department, which we've actually, I've talked to a number of people, they're like, the only person I'm afraid of at my organization is the head of HR, because I'm afraid that, you know, she has more power than I do in this situation. Um, Redballoon.work is starting to come alongside businesses and provide kind of wraparound HR services. How do we have employee manuals and, um, offer letters and termination letters that are well thought out based on conservative values. Look, the constitution speaks to a lot of things and that we've lost. And so we want to see more businesses that are really blessing their employees. And if we can help them bless their employees, then they're going to win by blessing their customers and just making more money. So that's really what we're trying to do right now. Not only helping with job postings, but also kind of those HR wraparound services. So if you're interested, we'd love to help you in any way we can. That's great. Can you tell our audience where they could find you? Yeah, you can go to redballoon.work. It's not .com, it's .work. We thought .com sounded too much like communists, and we don't want that. We want hard work, um, not That's communism. Great. So redballoon.work is a great way to start. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram. It's at redballoonwork. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at acrapyshuts. Um, and yes, acrapyshuts, it's the normal spelling of crapyshuts. Um, if you just look me up, you'll probably find me. Um, but the reality is we're trying to stand for those who want liberty. We're trying to stand for the little person who's at a big company and doesn't know what to do. And we want to come along and be a resource for them. And you have a host of podcasts. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. And I just started a podcast actually a couple of months ago, and it's called The Courageous Economy. And the good news is a lot of people have been enjoying it. And I've talked to everyone from financial advisors to school teachers to uh, people who are standing for truth in lots and lots of different areas. A gentleman who started his, his own business um, and went through the pain and agony of starting a business, but trying to help freedom reign in the medical industry. So lots of interesting things um, on that podcast. It's called The Courageous Economy. You can find it on Spotify or Apple, um, all the various things. I've never thought of myself as a podcaster. I was always just a tech CEO. But the reality is there's so many good stories out there and we need more conservatives to know they're not the only one that's thinking the way they are. There's lots of us out there. And the more that we know that, the more it's easier to be brave. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining the Jewish Patriot. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, we would love for you to come back with some of the people that you're working with because people need encouragement. The biggest fear they have is that they're alone. No one is alone. And there are not enough outlets for the ordinary person to get their story out. And I don't mean that anybody's ordinary because every story is unique, but yep. unless you are quote unquote, that public figure celebrity, there's not enough outlets for them. So we have to do everything we can to encourage them to speak up. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited that your show is out there. We need to have more of us um, willing to get in front of a camera and a microphone and just talk about the great stuff that's happening. There's lots of good news. The mainstream liberal media doesn't want us to know about it, but there's a lot of good news happening. Angie, thank you so much for joining us on the Jewish Patriot. Thanks for having me. 
So, what has Andrew Garbarino done for you lately? Let's see. Recklessly voted for Joe Biden's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Betrayed fellow Republicans by voting to certify the 2020 election. Oh, and voted to create an independent commission to investigate the July 6th protest. Andrew Garbarino is no Republican, but Mike Rakebrandt is. New York's 2nd District deserves a real Republican to protect them in Washington. Mike Rakebrandt is a real Republican who won't turn his back on the Republican Party. Mike Rakebrandt is a faithful New Yorker, awarded the Purple Heart, protecting your freedoms on the battlefield, and as an NYPD detective, knows how to protect New Yorkers. When you vote for Mike Rakebrandt in the Republican primary, he'll protect your freedoms in Congress to secure our southern border and let ICE do their jobs, ban critical race theory in our schools, and withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. Vote for Mike Rakebrandt on June 28th and return common sense and good stewardship to New York's 2nd District. Mike Rakebrandt won't turn his back on Republicans, and Mike Rakebrandt won't turn his back on you. Learn more about Mike Rakebrandt at MikeRakebrandtForCongress.com. Again, visit MikeRakeBrandtForCongress.com. Paid for by Mike Rakebrandt for Congress. Had enough yet? Do facts no longer matter? Are lies to be encouraged instead of punished? This is not our inheritance. If truth no longer matters, we will not remain free for long. This is our generation's challenge, to defend our founders' hope that we the people could self-govern if we defend our right to get the facts. And right now, we're building the only defense a free people have, the facts on every politician, every position they held, every statement they've made, every vote they've made, and any cash they've taken. It's the real history on those now pandering for your vote. There are hundreds of young people building our defense right now, and they need your help. We all have our passions, but as our ancestors knew, when events become so foul they threaten us all, we must stand and defend each other. Please, have our backs. Join us at votesmart.org. When a child in your life requires intensive care, their health fragile, their condition complex, certified acute care pediatric and neonatal nurse practitioners will give you the information and support you need to make the best decisions for your child while providing the critical care your child needs. With advanced specialized education, these nurse practitioners are trained to diagnose and manage serious life-threatening conditions and complex emergencies. They're dedicated to caring for the sickest infants and children. They are trained to make a difference. When life hands you its worst, certified acute care pediatric and neonatal nurse practitioners are at their best. Trained to be different. Critically ill children benefit from their knowledge. Learn why at CertifiedNurses.org. Welcome back to The Jewish Patriot with Cindy Gross. Headlines everywhere are talking about life, whether or not it's birth, whether or not it's death, and whether or not it's the quality of life. Well, joining us now is Rabbi Dr. Yosef Glassman, and he is from New Jersey. 
and he is going to tell us about his ongoing lawsuit in regard to euthanasia. So thank you so much for joining the Jewish Patriot. Thank you for having me, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about your lawsuit. Sure. Well, we started back in 2019 when the state of New Jersey signed into law that it was legal for a physician to assist a patient in committing suicide, which we are deeming that's murder suicide if a physician is helping. Um, myself and my lawyer, Rabbi B. David Smith, went into action and sued the state of New Jersey, the governor, and we gained, Baruch Hashem, a temporary restraining order against the law that would not allow for physicians to provide essentially what's a poison pill for people to commit suicide. We felt that it was against the nature of a physician and certainly uh, not advisable for any patient to do in general, but certainly not to involve a physician. And we, um, after three weeks of, of that law being on a temporary restraining order, it was overturned back to the original law after the governor fought against us with his, with the attorney general and other lawyers. Uh, and we've been fighting it ever since. We've been fighting to appeal it ever since. It's still in appeals. It was uh, rejected several times, but we're still pushing forward. So to our non-Jewish audience, uh, first of all, explain to them what you just said. In terms of Bezat Hashem? Yes. With, God, with God's help. That's the Hebrew phrase for with God's help. And this is not just a Jewish issue, obviously. This affects everybody, uh, as well as the Jewish community, and especially people who follow Judeo-Christian values. And we talk about the quality of life, and we've certainly seen people question the quality of life since COVID. I have to ask you your thoughts on the recent Supreme Court decision in regard to Roe versus Wade and how it actually impacts the lawsuit. That's a great question. Well, they're certainly connected since they both deal with life and preserving life and sanctity of life. Um, certainly in terms of the, the decision with that overturned Roe versus Wade. It's very interesting. It's, it's amazing to me. It's certainly not the end of the battle in terms of abortion. It, obviously, it threw back to the states the question of whether abortion is legal. It did not ban abortion, certainly, um, but it did not protect the right, the constitutional right for an abortion, which is a step, which is a significant step uh, because it's very clear. I'm not a constitutional expert, but it's very clear to me that protecting abortion and the killing of an unborn child essentially is not a constitutional right, it is, it is murder. Uh, it's not certainly not um, full-blown murder as a person who's alive, but it's certainly, it's certainly ending a life. It's a, a viable, a potentially viable life. So it's, a, it's certainly a step in the right direction in terms of not sanctifying murder. And that is essentially, that's how it relates to our case. I mean, our case, certainly, uh, we, do not, we do not sanctify murder. And we're fighting against the sanctification of murder. And, and the idea that, that it's, and it's protecting the, those who do, do not have a voice. 
the fetus does not have a voice. Often the ill patient does not have a voice. The patient with dementia does not have a voice. And we are actively, we actively see the connection to those things because there is no life. There's no life that is not high quality. All life is high quality. That is our philosophy. And that's something that we're fighting for. I can't agree with you more that uh, quality of life. And I see a major conflict going on on social media where religious Jews, especially young religious Jewish women who um, feel that they understand this all are suddenly coming out supporting Roe versus Wade with the same people that are uh, legislators that are promoting BDS and promoting uh, a lot of the CRT curriculum in our schools and are fighting school choice. And I see there is going to be a big conflict of interest or a, um, a really big need for education in our Jewish uh, young adults in particular, our young parents, about what quality of life is. Do you see or are you hearing any of this, knowing that you've been doing a lot of media and you've been talking to a lot of young Jewish uh, couples and singles? Yes, it's a very confusing issue for everyone on any, any part of their political and religious spectrum because it's hard for anybody taking care of a patient, let's say, of their own family member particularly, who's, say, 99 years old, bed-bound, having a difficult time, and the whole family is sort of surrounded, is surrounding this patient, taking care of them. And they see this patient's, quote-unquote, quality of life as being poor. You know, it's it's very challenging to see that because nobody wants right. to see themselves in that position. So psychologically, it's very challenging. But at the same time, if you really step back, take a bird's eye view, we cannot judge that person's quality of life. Yes, no one wants to get to the point where they're, God forbid, bed bound or anything or, or paralyzed or anything like that. But at the same time, we have a, humans have a remarkable ability to adjust to new situations as difficult as they are. And. The, the, the soul does not want to die. The soul does not think that their quality is poor. You'll, you'll ask many people, I deal with geriatrics, I'm a geriatrician by trade. And most people you'll ask that have this difficulty, that difficulty, this disease, that disease, they, they don't rate their quality of life as being poor. You'd, you'd be surprised. It's very interesting that most people consider their quality of life as very high, unless of course, God forbid, they're depressed or there's something, you know, something else that's not being addressed. But medically speaking, if somebody's, you know, if someone has a difficult time, they usually can adjust. They're, we're very, we're very flexible. Our, 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 our minds are able to adjust to new situations and readjust our quality of life, our definition of quality of life. And oftentimes we can keep it very high. What kind of support are you receiving from the medical community? That's a great question. Um, in the medical community, I often find myself find, fighting little battles in the hospital. Um, you know, again, with this quality of life issue, you'll often hear from physicians, from, from ICU nurses, from other nurses as well, uh, that, you know, again, this patient's quality of life is poor. Again, they've never asked this patient necessarily, but the way they see it is their quality of life is poor. And oftentimes I think it really boils down to the fact that they're uncomfortable watching the person who they think is suffering. Again, it's the, the caregivers are often suffering. They're suffering seeing it. They're, they're suffering taking care. 
but the reality is is that it's the patient is not is we can treat suffering we can treat suffering with the patient the doctors are often judging people's quality of life and they're not doing it accurately so i get i am oftentimes in small battles with physicians with icu nurses particularly and in this in this definition of, of quality of life so it's a, it's a daily it's a daily battle it's a it's a local battle it's a national battle to say every every life is high quality and what do you say i'm sure you've come across this because it's happened to all of us in our own families uh i've watched you know in my own experience my father was very ill and there were questions about do we continue or you know the quality of life issue comes up and who in the family which siblings want to you know for lack of a better word pull the plug versus who wants the survival and how do you deal when you have to approach a family with that and you hear a conflict within a family? That's a great question. That's very challenging. Uh, oftentimes, we, we legally, we have to have one particular family member as the designee, as the one making the decision, and they have to filter the multiple um, opinions in the family down to and communicate that to me, to us, to the medical team. Um, but often I'll, I'll have to navigate that with them in family meetings and the like. So it's, it's very challenging. Um, ultimately, I, I really try to make the case that we can treat pain. We can treat suffering. We, we often can't ask the patient what their quality of life is. We don't know. We're guessing based upon how it looks for us in that position. That's really the, the that's really what I try to communicate to, to families is we can't judge their situation by how we see it. It's not, that's not what it is. It's, um, you have to ask, we have to ask ourselves, is the, does he or she look comfortable? Are they in pain? If they're not in pain, then yes, we have to address that. But if they're not in pain and they're, you know, on a propofol drip, for example, I can't say their quality of life is bad. Think about how it is to sleep on a propofol drip. Not that I advocate, but not that I All say right. a propofol drip, of course, but that's not a, you know, you can't say that is bad quality of life necessarily. They're, they're in a dream world. They're probably having a good quality of life at that moment. Again, I don't wish that on anybody, but at the same time, we don't, we don't know what they're going through at that, at that particular moment. And it compares again to Roe versus Wade because you, you ask parents of children with Down syndrome or, or any other uh, physical or mental disability where it actually impacts a family, but you ask any family member that's caring for this disabled child or this child with an illness, and they will tell you they would rather have that child alive and disabled and help them out rather than the alternative. Uh, you hear that nine out of 10 times and you see famous people coming out and talking about it, especially all over social media since the Roe versus Wade. Tell us, you're in New Jersey, you're in a blue state where there are more freedoms. What is the uh, response you're getting nationally? And what is the response you're getting from the non-Jewish community? Uh, I think, you know, interestingly, we're getting, well, from the Orthodox community, I'm getting, thank God, a lot of, a lot of support and a lot of media, positive media coverage for, for what we're doing. Um, so that I'm very, I'm very happy about that. From the non-Jewish media, it's mixed. You know, it depends if it's a little bit more towards the religious side, it's more positive. If it's more towards the secular uh, side, it's a little, you know, I'm painted as someone who wants people to suffer in pain. 
while they're dying and so on and so forth and don't have any compassion for those who are suffering and dying. And obviously that's not the case, but that's how it's portrayed in order to make the case. Um, so, you know, so it, it really depends on someone's outlook and view on, on what we're on, how they see end of life issues and the, the right to die, quote unquote, the right to die. You know, many, many people uh, will say if, if they believe that there's a right to die or to commit suicide, then I'm being seen as someone who's evil, you know, because I'm, I'm taking away their right to, to end their life. So. Uh, and they see it as me wanting them to suffer. I mean, obviously, it's not the, that's not the case. But to, to you know, again, to make it more dramatic, that is how it's being portrayed on, oftentimes on, in the left. Well, if you're full of controversy around you, that means you're a warrior and you're doing something right because you're standing up for many people who believe in what you are doing. How can our audience reach out to you? Oh, thank you so much, Cindy. The best way to find us is on lifelinelegalfund.com. And we, we're very happy with anyone who wants to support us uh, financially and spiritually. Uh, lifelinelegalfund.com is the best way to get to us. Are you on social media at all? Uh, I think that's the, that's the best way is, the, the, is the, through our website. Well, Rabbi Dr. Yosef Glassman. It was a pleasure having you on. And I like to do a little bit of an out of the box perspective of headlines in the news. And I think the quality of life, whether or not it's at conception or towards the end of a life should always be a discussion. And it's something that Jews and non-Jews can actually agree upon with common sense and a compromise of discussion. And I just thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Hello and welcome. This is Dan Perkins. I'm the executive producer and co-founder of Blacks and Whites. And uh, we're, we're bringing Cindy's and her syndicated show to our network. She's on Sundays at 5 p.m. and on Tuesday evenings at 9.30. Uh, we decided we'd try to attract two different audiences with her. Um, she has quite a reputation. And we're looking forward to the content that she's going to be able to give to you, our listeners, and her listeners uh, on her Jewish Patriot uh, show. So welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to sharing headlines and trends from the Jewish world to the non-Jewish audience and vice versa as Talk Radio's premier Jewish women activist. And where can our listeners find it in case they miss it so they could stream it anytime they could go to blacksandwhites.us and under the show menu the drop down menu there'll be your name and it'll take you to a landing page on our website where they can hear your show and also read other things about what's going on in cindy's life thank you so much for joining us dan you're welcome thank you we'll look forward to having you on the network Great, thank you. Nike is constantly political. Why? 
cover. Congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe, Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. So my closing pearls of wisdom is talking about something very close to my heart and it's very close to your heart. And that is faith and family. Faith and family are the foundations to which our history comes from, whether or not you're talking about biblical, whether or not you're talking about American history, whether you're talking about being an immigrant who came here from the Mayflower times or the Ellis Island days or through the days of immigration through Ronald Reagan, Clinton, President Obama, we are a nation of immigrants, but nothing keeps us together like having faith and family because we see how faith and family keeps us united and keeps our foundations growing. You know, I was joking before about the Haggadahs with the wine stains and the matzah crumbs, but I will never, ever get rid of the Haggadahs with that because those stains are from dearly departed ones like my grandparents, who my children are named for. And now they have children named for parents around my table. I want you to think about memories of family and friends. Jot them down. Take pictures. Of course, we can't take pictures at our actual celebrations, but we can take pictures before and after and share them and tell the young ones stories. Because just maybe if we share our family and faith, our future will be secure. Our determination to fight for the foundations of our constitution of family and faith and freedom to enjoy them and honoring neighbors and honoring parents like it is stated in the Ten Commandments is respected and honored and cherished. And we are friends among each other and not enemies. And remember, you can always reach out to me on social media and share your pearls of wisdom with us. I'm Cindy Gross. I hope you have a very successful, healthy week with Mazel, Racha, and Simcha. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.